You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning. Earlier this year, I had met with Greg and asked if I could share in a chapel, but not just any chapel. I asked Greg, what are the conditions necessary for a time when the students will really be on the edge of their seat and prepared to drink deeply from every word that comes out of my mouth and comes from this pulpit up here? And he considered that and he said, well, it needs to be raining and it will need to be overcast. I'd wait for everyone to be exhausted. I'm thinking end of the semester and maybe the Friday right before chapel. So here we are, Uh, cream of the crop. And all that to say, I I get it. Uh, I know what it's like, the rhythm of the the semester, you're tired. Uh, But I have some exciting things to share with you this morning. Please lend me 15 minutes and uh, thank you obviously for being here. Not too long ago, Dr. Reitmeyer uh, shared an article with me by an author I really like, Tish Harrison Warren, and I was immediately caught by the title of the article, Want to Get into the Christmas Spirit? Face the Darkness. That was the title. In it, she says, to practice Advent is to first lean into a kind of cosmic ache. What a statement. To practice Advent is to first lean into a cosmic ache. And when we collectively appraise the environment around us, this darkness that she's asking us to to look into, to stare down, uh, is ever-present. Our social bonds are crumbling. Incidents of racism and xenophobia discourage us. Politics is as tribal and as divisive as ever. On any given night, a half a million people will be homeless in the United States. One article describes the United States as a mass addiction society, and moreover, important institutions are losing confidence, notably the church. And moreover, in this darkness, it is, it is uh, marked by a kind of despair. In fact, in the last two decades, we have seen a huge increase in what is being described as deaths by despair, suicide, alcoholism, drugs, uh, liver disease, etc. Now, I don't want to offer these sobering, if not depressing stories to weave yet another things are getting worse narrative. You've, you've heard plenty of that. Rather, I offer them to suggest that we are hearing a massive, unmistakable, collective groan that cries out, this is not the way it's supposed to be. We're surrounded, we're blanketed by a darkness. Now in Scripture, the meta-narrative of Scripture, darkness tends to have two dominant connotations. The first is ignorance, that we are unaware of the light that is available to us. But the second is rebellion, And this is a rejection of the light that's available to us. So what does this have to do with Christmas? 
Let's go to Isaiah 9 and hear these words afresh. But there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the ways of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee, the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood, innocent blood, shall be burned as fuel for the fire. Why? Because for a child has been born for us, a son given to us, authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time onward and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This child is light. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. And then we fast forward to Luke 2, and remember Simeon, uh, a holy man, a devout man, a man full of the Spirit, was promised by the Spirit that he would see the Messiah before he passed away. And he holds baby Jesus in his arms. And what does he say? For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And not just Simeon, but Jesus himself describes his presence in terms of light. John 8, 12, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So Asbury, I just want to say this morning, this is the Christmas story. There are lots of Christmas narratives. This is the primary Christmas story. Light has come to darkness. And spoiler alert, light wins. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And this is why Advent highlights hope and expectation and anticipation. And you hear this hope even in our Christmas songs. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting life, light. The hope and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. One of my favorite stories from Dr. Gray was uh, a time that she had visited Prague. Now, this was post-1989, the fall of communism. And she visited a church there. Now, before this, the church was operating underground. 
But after 1989, they could come out in the open, and they said, you can be a church, but you can only have a title that has three words. And the host asked Dr. Gray, what three words do you think they chose? She said, I, Jesus is Lord, Christ is risen, or maybe something uh, more descriptive, Church of Prague. The title was, The Lamb Wins. The lamb wins. This is the Christmas message. The light has come into the world. The darkness could not overcome it. The lamb wins. And this Christmas, beyond the the symbols and the images and the icons and the practices that typically mark a Western secular culture, I'm talking about Christmas trees and candy canes and ice skating shopping. These things aren't bad. I participate in them too. But just remember... The message is, the lamb wins. And, and don't miss this. The coming Messiah was described as light. Jesus describes himself as light. But there's another entity described as light. The church, Christians, you, me. Remember in Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is our hope. Now, I want to make an important point here, one that's been made. Hope is not the same thing as optimism. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs has said this, optimism is the belief that the world is changing for the better. Hope is the belief that we can make things better. Optimism is a passive virtue. Hope is an active one. It takes no courage to be an optimist, but it does take courage to hope. And he points out that much of Scripture is not optimistic. Don't look to the Old Testament if you want optimism. It is hopeful, though. We're not optimistic about the light. We're hopeful for it. We participate actively in our hopefulness. We are agents of light. We are courageous because of light. Some thoughts uh, to, to bring things uh, to, to a conclusion. First, stare down the darkness. I'd love to put out a Christmas card that says that. Merry Christmas, stare down the darkness. <laughs> Scottish theologian James Stewart, he says, Christianity is not for the well-meaning, it's for the desperate. I had to get to a place of desperation Uh, to really appreciate a Savior. Recognize that we are blanketed in darkness. We need light. We need a Savior. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in Jesus. Second, recognize that the light has come. Tim Keller says Christmas is not about a birth. It's about a coming. And I think of Simeon, that Simeon was able to hold Jesus and recognize light. When he saw Jesus, he saw light. And I find this interesting. 
in graduate school and, and just in general, what do people see when they see Jesus? Well, they might hear the Christmas story and just see a helpless baby, a great teacher, an enigmatic personality, a set of religious rules, perhaps a threat to autonomy. Some see a mythical figure, benign, harmless. We know different. Jesus is love. Jesus is truth. Jesus is fulfillment of a promise. Jesus is light. The light has come. The Lamb wins. Third, be the light. Jesus is light because Jesus is light, because the light has come. We can be the light. I love this essay by, by G.K. Chesterton. It's called A Piece of Chalk. You should read it because he articulates it better than I will this morning. He says, white is my favorite color. Now, many people think white isn't a color. And Chesterton would draw on brown paper, and he says, no, white is the fullness of all color. And he's making a spiritual observation here as well, that virtue is not the absence of sin. It's the full presence of God within our life. The light, the glory, the illumination we provide is God at work in us and through us. Spiritual light is not simply the absence of darkness. It is the full presence of God's light in you. And you see, when we do that, when we let Jesus' light shine through us, we co-create with the God who said, let there be light. We do this with him. Let me close. It was a, a special moment in the 1860s when a Union General Army soldier named Gordon Granger traveled into Texas, and he announced to approximately 250,000 African-American slaves that the president had signed a proclamation which had freed them. Great news. This was met with widespread celebration, as it should be, and Texas actually made this a state holiday in 1980. You may have heard of this now. It is called Juneteenth, and it is still celebrated today. And it's called Juneteenth because this message of proclamation, of liberation, was delivered in June, June 19th, June 19th, 1865. And you see, that is an important detail because the Emancipation Proclamation was signed January 1st, 1863. In other words, the men and the women who had been subjected to one of the cruelest, most inhumane institutions in human history, slavery, they were free, they were liberated, and they did not even know it for two and a half years. Now, let me be very clear, their slavery was not their fault, obviously. They did not select into it. They did not have another alternative. They were forced into slavery. But when they were free, they weren't even aware of it. No one had told them. Slavery was darkness, deep darkness. Light had come, and to add tragedy to tragedy, they did not know it. And this is not unlike what we remind ourselves of every single Christmas in the rhythm of our year. 
The light has come. The darkness cannot overcome it. And just like Galveston, what a tragedy it would be if the light had come to you and I and we did not even know it. If we were set free and we weren't even aware. (laughs) One of my favorite verses of Scripture is Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. It says, For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and is right and is true. So let me ask you this. I know you've got your minds filled with finals and other things, or perhaps what you're going to do on Christmas break. That's good. Uh, But please present these questions to yourself. Where is there darkness in your own life? Where has Jesus declared freedom and light in your life, even though you are living in darkness and slavery? Where are you living as if you were still enslaved, even though the light has come, even though the proclamation of liberty has been made upon your life? This is the power, and it's the glory, and it's the anticipation of Advent and Christmas. We have light. We are free. Jesus is light. In him we have light. Let this light so shine before the world so that they may see our good works, glorify the Father, to overcome darkness in the world and in ourselves. May we be a people who live into this freedom. So this Christmas, let there be light. Let's pray together. Jesus, you are light. The light has come. The darkness could not overcome it. Thank you for this truth, Lord. May we live in this proclamation of freedom. May we hear these words afresh. May the Christmas story come to us anew. And may we declare this victory and live as victorious people. You are light. The light has overcome the darkness. Thank you, Father, for this semester. Thank you for these students. Thank you for the incredible things that they will do. And I pray that you would bless this next week for them. I pray that you would bless their travel. And I pray, Lord, above all, that we would be light to the world around us, to stare down the darkness and to shine light, to co-create with you in saying, let there be light. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it is in the powerful name of Jesus Christ we pray.